Welcome to Grace Hour. You are listening to a word from the ministry of Pastor Elvis Ajiman. Today's message. The just and his faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. We are going to build our faith or learn how to grow in our faith concerning the blood and the body of our Lord Jesus Christ and what the communion does for us. And that's the next thing we are going to grow. God expects us to grow our faith in. God doesn't just expect us to know about the communion, but he expects us to grow a certain kind of faith in the communion. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Somebody shout, my God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape. That ye may be able to bear it. Give me the amplified version. For no temptation, no trial regarded as enticing to sin. No matter how it comes or where it leads has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. That is, no, that is no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance. And that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to the human experience and such as man can bear. But God is faithful to his word. And to his compassionate nature. And he can be trusted. Not to let you be tempted or tried. And assayed beyond your ability. And strength of resistance and power to endure. But with the temptation. He will always also provide the way out. Somebody said the way out. He, oh come on Saudi better say the way out. He will always provide the way out, the means of escape to a landing place that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. The Amplified Version breaks down the subject of no temptation is common to man. And he's talking about the temptation regarding the enticing of sin. And the writer says that there has been no temptation that comes to entice you to sin that has never been released before. It means that Satan has not got any new thing. All the temptations of Satan, he has tried it on everybody. There is no new thing again. And the Bible says this temptation is the temptation regarding sin. So Satan has tried all his temptations to get men to sin and it is finished. His strategies are done. So if you can look through the Bible, you will find all the strategies of Satan. Look at Adam and Eve. Look at um, Moses, how Moses sinned. Look, Satan has tried all the temptations. And the Bible says that they are not common again. But even when all these temptations are not common, the Bible says that but God always provides the way, the way. It is not a way, the way. If it is a way, it means that there are many ways, but the way, it means God has provided one way to escape every temptations of Satan. One way. The way of escape. So Satan has got different temptations, though he is not going to create a new one because all has been done. But 
God waited for Satan to create all the many temptations. Then he made only one way. What is the way? 14. Therefore, my dearly beloved, Sean, keep clear away from, avoid by flight if need be, any sort of idolatry, of loving or venerating anything more than God. So now the apostle begins to break down the major temptation of Satan and he points it to one thing, idolatry. And it comes down to say that idolatry is a major temptation Satan is putting on almost everybody in the body of Christ. Then he breaks down the idolatry and says that anything you love more than God. So the temptations we are going through is that every single time Satan is trying to show you something to attract your attention and make you love that thing more than God. So can you imagine that many of us are worshipping idols without our knowledge? Your car is your idol. Your job is your idol. Anything you love more than God is a bait. And the Bible says that we have the capacity to overcome these temptations of Satan because God has given us the way. Verse 15. I am speaking as to intelligent, sensible men. Think over and make up your minds for yourselves about what I say. I appeal to your reason and your discernment in these matters. Paul is saying that I singled out idolatry, that anything that you love more than God is a temptation from Satan. And he's saying that I'm not talking to you as dumb men. I'm talking to you as intelligent people. Now sit back and think about it and realize that the major temptations you are going through is based on the things you are trying to love more than God. That's a major temptation. Let me hold on here a little bit. Because that has been the arrow of today's church. We talk about so many things apart from God. Even in church, we are expected to preach different things apart from God. We expect pastor to teach science, to teach politics, to talk about education. Even in church. Why? Because our hearts have shifted from God to other things. But may God forbid that we will fall into this trap of Satan. We can't love other things more than God. There is only one thing we must value. Only one thing we must hold on to. If they ask us what property have you have, you have only one thing to show them your salvation. What is your treasure? The Holy Ghost. The Bible says that there are treasures in earthen vessels. It means that God does not call anything you have as a treasure. There is only one treasure in earthen vessels, in human beings, and that is the Holy Ghost. May you value the presence of God in your life. Praise God. And he said that I'm talking to you as intelligent men. Sit back and realize how Satan has been manipulating you. And you, are, you call yourself apostles, servants of God, children of God. But in reality, God is not your focus. And Paul is saying that most of you have fallen into the temptations of Satan because you have missed your focus. Can you take a journey without sight? Where are you going to when the person who is leading you is not your focus? As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the children of God. In fact, let me tell you this thing. The most dangerous thing in our Christian walk is to be talking about a God you don't know. And a God you don't like. If you can spend 
one and a half hours watching a football match and your least prayer time cannot be one and a half hours. You don't know and you don't like the God you are talking about. This, this is no religion. This is truth. And you can talk with your friends, discuss issues, all kinds of funny comedy stuff that just makes you laugh and get hungry at the end of the day. And there's nothing about God in the picture. How much have you sacrificed for this God you talk about? How many idols have you kept around your life? Somebody hit his child for the child to collapse because the child scratched his car. That is idolism. You don't need to go and bow to a stone. You just idolized the car. How many of us have not hated our brothers and sisters because of a little thing they took from our lives? Paul is saying that be smart enough, sit back and think over and over about it and you will realize that you have taken, prioritized some things above God. But may it never be our story as a church. That is why as your pastor, you realize that I am always God, 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 God. You might not understand, but there are people doing idol worship even in church because they value the offerings more than the God. They do programs because of offerings, fundraising. That's why they do programs. There are some people, the reason why they want people to come to church is because so that they will get a certain kind of offering. If I tell you to come to church, God knows my heart. I want to preach a certain word to you. I want your focus to be on God. I, I just want you to hear something about God so that you will walk and live in him. So Paul saying that begin to think about this and apply your discernment. Verse 16. The cup of blessing of wine at the Lord's Supper upon which we ask God's blessings. Does it not mean that in drinking it we participate in and share a fellowship, a communion in the blood of Christ the Messiah. The bread which we break, does it not mean that in eating it we participate in and share a fellowship of communion in the body of Christ? Verse 17. For we, no matter how numerous we are, are one body because we all partake of the one bread. The one whom the communion bread represents. Whilst he tells them to begin to think about the idolism going on. And begin to think about the temptations that the enemy is bringing. Then he quickly shifts their minds to the one way God has created. Then he brings them back to the place. That now, after you begin to think about this. You realize that you want to have fellowship with God. If I will not idolize any other thing, then God must be my focus. Then Paul says, there is only one way to share and to have fellowship with God. To escape the temptations and the idolism, the arrows of idolism that Satan throws at us. And he says, by partaking in the bread. And the wine of our Lord Jesus. Can you imagine that God has watched Satan plan many temptations and arrows. And he gives us just one way. 
And the way is the communion. That way, just one. And that way is communion. Have you ever thought of it? That the only provision to escape every arrow and temptation of Satan is to commune the bread and not the wine. It means that when a man takes communion, you can put all worries aside and sleep. No witch has the capacity to touch your life. One way. I, I will show you why many people eat it and they don't see the glory. But there is one way. The way of escape. And Paul comes down and says that the only way of escape from all the arrows and enticing temptations to sin is the blood and the bread. Sometimes I ask myself, where from the doctrine of be clean and come and eat communion? Do you understand it? Do you really get it? Did we understand the subject of examine yourself? We will go there soon. That you just read examine yourself and you come to tell somebody that he should, he should stop sin before he comes to. It's like, it's like telling a sick person go and get healed and come for this medicine. That's what you are trying to tell the person. There is only one escape for the enticement to sin. There is only one escape. And you tell the person that go and sort yourself out and come for the escape. These are the things that when you come into the commonness of a faith in Christ, then you begin to grow in your faith in the communion. So Paul said that think and think and think and design it. And you come to the place that to escape every temptation, a man, a woman must have fellowship with the bread and blood of our Lord Jesus. We don't take this communion for fun. Church of God. We don't take it for fun. Oh, and now sorry you could do communion. And then there's someone who said communion, then let me lie. That is why you can never escape any temptation of Satan. You will fall. Every day you fall. Every day you fall. Every sickness will hit you. Every, every shame will hit you. Every disappointment will hit you. Every little fornication, you will fall into it. Every little desire to sin, you will fall into it. Why? Because you are not partaking. He said that how can we have fellowship with our Lord Jesus? How can we, have, how can we be partakers of everything in our Lord Jesus? He says through the bread and the wine. No wonder that was the last thing Jesus did with them before he died. And he told them that do this often. Do this often. So the Bible says that daily they ate, they broke bread. Daily. The church of old understood the mystery of communion. Every day they broke communion. They broke bread. They took communion. Why? Because they knew. Do you know Jesus himself ate it? The Bible says that he broke it and shed it. So he ate some before he faced the greatest temptation on earth. And you want to ignore it and face temptation. He waited and the last night, he took it. Then he went to face the cross. Because without it, in the middle of the road, he could have given up. He could have given up. So, why is the church partaking of this? And yet, we are not seeing the glory. Can you imagine? The Bible says that anyone that eats it is partaker of the body and the blood. 
In other words, the moment I take it, I share the same flesh with Christ. I share the same blood. This, if the Bible says that let all men be liars and only God be true. So every word of God is not a lie. And he says that when we take this, we are becoming one with Christ. This, this oneness is not revelational oneness. It's reality oneness. You go and check my blood and I have a different DNA science I've never recorded. <laughs> Am I on somebody at all? Listen, I heard of when Ebola came earlier, some early years, a man in South Africa, an evangelist, they said that don't touch an Ebola patient with it, your bare hand. But he was touching them. But he was fine. Day after day, the man was fine. Then they took him to the lab and realized that the viruses were dead on his skin. A different body, a different blood. When you take in the communion, you are sharing in a different blood. Also, we are near the hospital. Yet, me, you be more than near the amount. Anytime you are taking in communion, we are infusing Christ's blood into you. This is a reality. Don't approach it with your carnal mind. Don't approach it with your carnal mind. You are infusing. Every single day we take in communion. You're so going to take in blood. Look at look at First Corinthians chapter 11. Is it the verse number 37 or so? So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a way that is unworthy of him. Somebody say, unworthy of him. Is the him small letter? Oh, come on. Preach with me. Is the him a small letter? Unworthy of him. So not of you, but of him. So the unworthiness here has nothing to do with you. It is an unworthy way to him. Of him. Will be guilty of profaning and sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Anyone that eats of it unworthy of him is sinning against the body and the blood. Go ahead. Let a man thoroughly examine himself and only when he has done so should he eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let the man thoroughly examine himself. So what examination must the Christian go through? How should you, what is the analysis you must take of yourself before you go and take the communion so that you don't take it unworthily of him, disrespectfully of him. 29. For anyone who eats and drinks without discriminating and recognizing with due appreciation that it is Christ's body is and drink a sentence upon himself. Look at me. Anyone who drinks it without discriminating do you understand that? 
It means that before you take the bread, you must discriminate. And what are you discriminating? You must hold the bread and say, this is not a tea bread. This is not a sugar bread. This is the body of Christ. Hear me? So do you see the unworthiness? It means that any time you try to eat the bread and you compare the bread to a normal bread, you have eaten it unworthily of Christ. It is a different bread. It is the bread of life. It is a living bread. It is a pure bread. It is a genuine bread. It is an uncommon bread. Without discriminating and recognizing. See, I should At that point, the Bible says that you have eaten it unworthily. You must recognize. That is why when Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus picked the bread and said, this is my body. It must be recognized. These are simple stuff. But in the kingdom, a little dot and a little comma can cost you. The difference, can you imagine? So both of us will eat communion. But how I see it, and how you see it is what will make the difference. Without recognizing it with due appreciation. So how can you be taking communion and you never appreciated the pain and suffering and sacrifice of Christ? It says that you eat sentence upon yourself. It means that the one, the communion be kununu, and now the bonye new. You know, he was talking to a church. This is a Corinthian church. He was talking to them. And he's saying that the unworthiness of eating the communion is trying to take it without discriminating and recognizing it with due appreciation. That's why most at times we sing and worship before we take the communion, we are doing it in appreciation. Can you imagine? So he didn't say, examine yourself because you are a sinner. Examine yourself whether you really understand what you are about to eat. Because what you are about to eat is what will break sin in your life. There is no other way to break sin. The way is one. What you are about to eat it. So no sinner is prohibited from eating the communion. It is the one who doesn't give it due respect. I wonder where certain doctrines came from. As if we don't have a Bible. Verse 30. That careless. Can you see that? Careless. Hey, yeah, the communion. No, yeah. Careless. How can you be coming to the communion table when you are thinking about a woman? Careless. Careless. You must have a full appreciation of the table. Acknowledge, recognize the table. He said that careless and unworthy participation is the reason many of you are weak and sick and quite enough of you have fallen into a deep of death. It means that even when you were in sin, you didn't die. But when you ate the communion unworthily, it killed you. Have you seen many of you are sick? Many of you are weak and many of you are dying because you did not approach the table with honor. 
and with respect and with due appreciation. Oh, come on. Do I have a church here at all? With due appreciation. It is the most holy thing, the sacred thing in the church, the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus. The only escape we have for every temptation. You take in the communion and suddenly a clear wisdom drops your mind and you know how to go about issues in the office. You know how to go about issues in your home. Suddenly a power enters you and you have no desire to have sex. Suddenly an anointing enters you. You have no desire to be angry, to fight, to do any corrupt and defiling thing. You just receive an anointing. The way out. The way of asking. So, have you seen that anytime we take in communion, two things happen. It's either you just took the pill of death or the pill of life. The same thing that is giving people life and strength in their body is killing other people. Not because they ate it with sin in their lives, no. But because they didn't appreciate it and they ate it. I think this is where some people get it right by choosing holy people to serve the communion. And not just holy people, but pastors who appreciate it, who understand, who have a knowledge of what they are carrying and what they are serving. How can you be a pastor and don't even understand the, the bread and the wine? You don't have appreciation. You have never lied on the floor and blessed the Lord for the cross and you are coming to self-communion. You have never prayed and worshipped and praised the Lord and thanked him for the body and the blood. You have never done that. You have no appreciation and recognition he said that separate it, separate it, separate. Bring discrimination when you are taking in. Bring it. May our eyes be open from today. May we bring discrimination. That one week, one week, I did communion with them one cry. And yet, enough. You must have your own in the house. Eat your breakfast. And after that, come and say, You, this bread, you are different from the bread I just ate. You are a special bread. You are the very body of Christ that was broken for me. Now I take you in and I participate and share in the body of Christ. You, this wine, you are different from the drinks I have in my fridge. You are a special blood. You are the very blood of Jesus that was shed for the remission of my sins. As I take in this wine, I'm taking in the blood and it's washing me and it's cleansing me and it's speaking my forgiveness before the Father. This is one of the most potent and powerful weapons in the, in the body of Christ. Grow your faith in the communion. What is the bread for? For our healing. 31. For if we searchingly examine ourselves, detecting our shortcomings and recognizing our own condition, we should not be judged and penalty degreed by divine judgment. But when we fall short and are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined and chastised so that we may not finally be condemned to eternal punishment along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you gather together to eat the Lord's Supper, wait for one another. Now he's teaching us. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. Lest you come together to bring judgment on yourselves about the other matters 
I will give you directions personally when I come. I me Hallelujah. But he gave us one direction. If you are hungry, eat it, eat home. So that you can specially discern this bread and wine. And take it with meaning and understanding. That is the word of God. Discern the bread of healing. Discern the blood of life. It is the blood that cleanses you every day. It is the blood that washes your sins. You cannot take in the blood and you don't know this. That is why we are missing it. You ask somebody, what does the communion do for you? He doesn't even know and you are still eating communion. That is why you are weak. Praise God. All he knows is that That is all he knows about the communion. Why won't you be still sick? May God open your eyes. May God open your eyes. May you see what God wants you to see. May you understand what God wants you to understand. In the name of the Lord Jesus. How many of us are growing in knowledge of the communion? Hallelujah. You are going to receive life and strength, power, understanding, wisdom through the communion in the name of Jesus. The bread will bring you your healing. The blood will bring you your remission of sins. The blood will change your life and make your life glorious in the mighty name of Jesus. Say this after me. Say, there are many temptations on my life. But I found out the way of escape. As I take in the communion, I take in my way of escape. I say in the body of Christ, I say in the blood of Christ, I am a renewed person. In the name of Jesus, I am highly blessed and highly favored because the blood of Jesus is in me and his body is my body in Jesus' name. Let us sing out a big amen. amen. Clap your hands and give him some praise. Thank you for listening to Pastor Elvis Ajeman. Pastor Elvis is a dynamic teacher of the Word of God. He is an author, a passionate preacher of God's Word, with a desire of transforming lives in the power of the Spirit. His ministry is characterized by a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost, with accompanying signs, wonders, and uncommon miracles. He's the head pastor of Grace Mountain Ministry, located at Seven Days Junction, off the Achimota of Ankor Barrier, you can follow the ministry of Pastor Elvis Ajiman on any of his social media handles at Pastor Ajiman Elvis or Grace Mountain Ministries. Or you can call us on 0552-504-085 or 0548-003-360. God richly bless you.